I get a lot of DMs and emails asking me about certain products and brands that I use in my daily life because I rave about them so much online in my socials. And while I do encourage buying local when you can, sometimes you just can't. And that's where Amazon has come in so handy. I've created my Amazon storefront where I link all my favorite products and brands and my go-to book recommendations. You can find the products I use in my business, like my Yeti mic, the beauty products I swear by, like truly everyone needs a silk pillowcase for their skin and hair health, the body butter from Walita I just can't get enough of, the frother that I use daily for my coffee, and so much more. I am constantly adding more to the storefront, so make sure you are always checking back in to see the products and brands that I love and use. You can use the link in the show notes to follow along and shop all your beauty, wellness, business, fitness, and lifestyle needs. Welcome to Balance Your Life Podcast. My name is Megan Farrell and I am the host of the show. This podcast is designed to inspire and empower you to start and maintain your own wellness journey so you can become the best version of yourself. Let's begin. Hey guys, welcome back to another episode of Balance Your Life Podcast. I'm your host, Megan Farrell-Gordon. Today, we have a really, really interesting podcast episode for you, one that has been a little different from guests that we've had in the past, but I am so excited for you to check this podcast episode out. And today I am joined by Jamie B. Haas. Jamie is the founder of Jamie B. Haas Method, a guided process that draws draws from spirituality, positive psychology, mindfulness, and life experiences. The method helps individuals heal from intergenerational societal and emotional trauma, freeing them to reconnect with their personal power gain clarity on what they really want to achieve in life, and dismantle any deep-seated beliefs holding them back from moving forward. Jamie's work is motivated by a painful past until, at age 40, she came to a place of complete surrender. Her approach is rooted in the belief that when you focus on finding the root of the pain and the related stories you've told yourself, you will be able to change the way you see yourself and the world. Known to her clients as the soul surgeon, they say her method has helped heal wounds that no other modality, including therapy, was able to help them achieve and find lasting love, starting with themselves. On this episode, we talk about her journey with drugs, alcohol, and childhood drama, how to overcome addiction, and help others heal from their addiction. We also discuss why rock bottom is the best place to be to make a change, what it's actually like to be in rehab, and so much more. So I hope you guys love this podcast episode as much as I did. I felt like it was such a unique interview to have, and Jamie was so knowledgeable and so open about sharing her story. So with that, let's welcome Jamie B. Haas to the Balance Your Life podcast. Welcome to the show. This episode of the podcast is brought to you by my YouTube channel. Free yoga is how I got started on my incredible yoga journey, and I want to bring you the same practices and principles that inspired me to begin my practice. On my channel, you'll find workouts and fitness videos, yoga flows, meditations, wellness vlogs, and more. You can click the link in my bio to subscribe to my channel and support me and free online yoga. Welcome to the show, Jamie. I am so excited to have you on. Thank you so much. I'm so excited to be here. Can you give our listeners a little bio of who you are and where in the world you are currently joining me from today? So, uh, I, I'm in Los Angeles, California, as of now, <laughs> as of today. And then, and what was the other question? Just a little bio of who you are. Okay. So they're calling me the soul surgeon. I, um, I have a, a method and a process and a workbook um, to take people through 
finding their core programming, their limiting beliefs, negative thinking and behavior patterns that were created from childhood, and to transform all that into reprogramming, new thinking, new behaviors, healing, and then manifesting your dreams. And I would love to know, like, what led you down this path? Have you always been into the quote unquote spiritual world? Was the was there a catalyst in your life that led you to developing this method and helping others? Yes, yes, and yes. So, um, <laughs> so I, I I think that you know, there's multifaceted things going on here. But uh, you know, I think that since I was very little, I I definitely had some other gifts going on, um, psychics, some gifts. So I think that, and I always had like, you know, a belief in something. I always felt something. So, and, but I also really felt different and alone. So I, and, um, and I come from a place of like a lot of uh, dysfunction and unhealthiness in my family. So I was in therapy at the age of six, (laughs) And I've spent a lifetime in therapy. Um, I think that that's like the prelude to everything really. But, but coupled with that, which is so fascinating, the more I think about it is that even as a little kid, like people would come to me for advice. Like people would always come to me and ask me things. And like I said, do you know that psychic, I don't know, intuitive, whatever I had, I knew things that I didn't know I knew that somebody like my age shouldn't know. But a lot of people were always coming to me for help and guidance. And I loved that. I loved doing that. So I feel like between being in therapy and doing all that, helping myself, having a lot of people come to me and having this whole other gamut of stuff going on, I I believe I was set up very early on to come into this. And what sort of advice would people like ask you about? Because you said you were quite young when this was happening. Like, was it just like, what should I be doing with my life? Or was it like more, should I be divorcing this person? Like, I just can't imagine what kind of questions would be coming up for people. So, you know, a lot of my friends, you know, would ask me stuff about relationships. Or like, it was a lot of like relationship stuff or ask me about people. Like, I, I really have, um, I always had like depth into people. And I could see depth into like situations. So people would always be asking me questions about that. I mean, now listen, you know, the gifts started coming like around six, seven, eight, but like the the real, (laughs) the real conversations about people asking me was like, you know, 11, 12, but more like 15, 16, like that's when it really started. They were really asking me about the issue (laughs) is that they didn't necessarily like my answers. (laughs) (laughs) yeah i i mean i said so i knew i learned eventually like do you really want to hear yeah like do you really want to know because it was hard for me to like i couldn't not tell them the truth you know what i mean so yeah no i make i feel like there's been a lot of people either on this podcast or just in my personal life that have always felt like they had some sort of like i don't want to say like necessarily intuitive gift but just like even this idea of like thinking about somebody and then they call you that day or like mm-hmm. these, all these coincidences would happen. And it's like, no, 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 you have an intuition. Sometimes it's about you. Like sometimes people are really intuitive about themselves and sometimes it's with other people. But mm-hmm. I think, like you said, if it's sometimes if it's with other people and they don't like your answers, we get conditioned to not give people what they want to hear or we people please like we don't give them the exact truth or we just learn to like well I'm not going to say anything at all because people don't like what I have to say so well that leads me into that's exactly right (laughs) because you know a lot I would get a lot of messages about people actually like for myself like I even very early like get like six seven eight like I would have a knowing of a person usually it wasn't good. Like the stuff that I would get wasn't good. And I would get a whole dialogue about what this person was like. And so that was really kind of, I didn't know now that that that's part of my like psychic channeling abilities, but 
I just thought I knew and doesn't everybody know. And so that started to freak me out because when I would say something to people, they'd be like, that's not true. But like, I knew within my soul, like that was right. So that was one. And then, and then people didn't like hearing what I had to say. And so I feel like, you know, I, if you've read my bio, I, I went off on like drugs and alcohol. So like all of that coupled with all the trauma and dysfunction in my childhood, I just, I was on overload. And so like, I really got into alcohol and cocaine. And I, and I went off on that. Yeah. Can we actually talk about that? Cause I feel like that's something a lot of people struggle with, maybe not necessarily cocaine or alcohol, but some sort of addiction. And I think it's because so many of us have some sort of trauma and sometimes it's really big trauma. And sometimes it's smaller trauma but it's like Mm -hmm. compounded and it's built until it becomes this like domino effect of like our whole lives just seem to kind of tank down are you willing to talk about what that journey was like for you with drugs and alcohol sure yeah listen if I can help someone I'm happy to do it perfect Mm -hmm. oh okay so you want me to just tell you yeah I'm just I like was there were you just like a party person was there just like an event that got you into this or was it like a slow burn that you just found yourself, you know, a little bit of alcohol here and there. And then it was more alcohol. And then it was like, yeah, sure. I'll try cocaine. This will be great. And- okay, sure. So, you know, I had my first sip of alcohol at six when, you know, drinking my dad's wine. Um, and so, you know, I didn't necessarily like the way it tasted, but I loved the way it made me feel. And I feel like, you know, I've spent, you know, up until that point, I definitely felt different. Uh, and alone and like awkward. And so when I had that sip of alcohol, it definitely made me feel like, ah, like I wasn't uncomfortable in my skin anymore. I felt relaxed. And like that feeling of feeling relaxed and kind of connected to some degree was something I like loved. So like for me, and I'm not going to get into the whole thing, but I will tell you, you know, I'm Jewish. So like, from very early age, you know, we do Seder and I would drink Manischewitz. So like none of the other kids liked it. And I'd be drinking everybody's Manischewitz and getting like loaded at Passover. You know, So it's like, <laughs> I really enjoyed it. So I feel like I had definitely had a love affair with alcohol that tasted good. Um, tasted good. So, and I feel like, you know, I definitely drank and my father would always be like, because I was very anxious and hyper he would just be like why don't you have a glass of wine and relax we're talking at like 12 13 14 he would be giving me so i interpreted you know alcohol as relaxing and calming me down and it just made me feel like good but then what happened is that you know i definitely started to get into like going out i was definitely the party girl from the weird awkward like uncomfortable girl I moved from the suburbs of Philadelphia to center city, Philadelphia. And it was just like, I went off. Like I was definitely very popular, (laughs) very like active in like nightclubs at like 17 and like, you know, drinking and partying. And it really was fun for a very long time for me. So some people don't have that experience that a lot of people that I know were blackout drinkers or like they would throw up and stuff. That was not me. I just loved alcohol and it was so fun and everything I did around it was fun uh, until it wasn't. So, so it was alcohol and then pot and I just didn't really like pot. And then I found cocaine and it was like between mm, the alcohol and the cocaine together. That was like, yeah. So, um, (laughs) and once again, it really worked for like, it worked for me in terms of like, I could be everything I always wanted to be because I didn't have any limitations of my mind because I was free because I was on alcohol and drugs. So, um, but what happened is that it started to turn and it turned and it just started getting worse and worse. And I didn't understand that that was what was happening, that it was actually drugs and alcohol because my life was so compounded with so many problems And I was coming from so much trauma and dysfunction and chaos that it was like, I couldn't decipher. And so, but you know, when we do drugs and alcohol, what happens is that we're not, we leave our bodies. Like we're like, we're no longer like present. And for me, the the consequences started getting greater and greater. Like I had a lot of physical illnesses. 
um, that I got from doing drugs and alcohol. Yeah. Can you talk about, you said it took a turn for the worst. Like what did that look like? Was it like all of a sudden one day it was like, oh no, like I, you're, you're getting physically ill. Or again, was it this like slow burn where you're just like one thing bad is happening. And then it was like, another bad thing is happening and it's like oh no everything really this isn't fun anymore every everything is going downhill so i can tell you because i guess it really wraps into my store the the what i'm doing now aside from like all my family stuff but there was a lot of family stuff and it started getting more and more intense i had really uh traumatic and abusive step family and so that started kicking off and like and when I graduated college, I met a man, a uh, Spanish man, and I moved to Spain because I thought I was going to get married. And like, honestly, if you've read my story, once again, it's like, you know, I was told from the age of eight, I'm just going to get married. My life is going to be taken care of. I'm going to marry this rich Jewish man and it's going to be done. And like, you know, I, I <laughs> my my preference was never really the Jewish guy. But anyway, you know, so <laughs> But either way, like the picture was still the picture, right? The vision. And so I moved to Spain and like I, it wasn't working out. And I feel like I had, to, I left and, um, and my addiction was getting more and more heightened anyway, but it was like coming home from like not getting married, not knowing what to do with my life, having nothing. And like, and I'm still dealing with all this abuse and whatever it was, I was like, I feel like I just went downhill. Like I made a commitment to myself. My heart was left in Spain and I was like, what's the point? And I just, I feel like I really went downhill from there. And that's when things started getting really bad because then I would spend money and I was running out of money. I would get into credit card debt. Um, I got Epstein bar, which is like chronic mono, chronic mono. From all the, because I was burning the candle at both ends. I couldn't keep jobs. I was in living in Manhattan and I like literally went through 30 jobs. I could get a job. I just couldn't keep the jobs because I couldn't show up, you know, so I couldn't show up burning friendships, just like unhealthy relationships. And, and then I moved back home and then I got hepatitis B. Oh, PS. I also got a hole in my nose. So it was like, I mean, like literally things were just on our perpetual basis, but I, I just kept thinking, well, if my life would change, I wouldn't have to do this. Like if my life would just get better, then I wouldn't be doing this. But, you know, the truth of the matter is that's not the truth, right? Because the the using was what was perpetuating the problems because I couldn't get a grip on my life. So really I had to have the bottom that I had, which was that I almost died and I had an intervention because I couldn't stop. And when you had your intervention, was it, was it friends and family that were doing it? Like what, how did that intervention go in? What was your response to it? Cause I have heard people in the past say, you know, they just like, it's not a problem. I don't have a drug problem. I don't have an alcohol problem. You guys are like, you're the ones who are losing it. I'm not doing rehab. I'm not doing this thing. I'm fine. Like, what was your experience like? So I definitely wasn't fine. (laughs) I definitely wasn't fine. I was in a really unhealthy relationship. And honestly, my body couldn't take what I was doing. So like if I partied one night, I couldn't function for three days. And I actually had a best friend from childhood come to visit me from Atlanta, who I hadn't seen in like years. And I, and she was friends with my family, like, and I couldn't even pull it together. So she actually told my family on me because she knew I was going to die. Like I was literally weeks away from like dying because I just, it was bad. And so a month later I had an intervention. It was 10 family members and an interventionist. I was kind of shocked. They did bamboozle me. Um, This was before the show intervention had come out. So it wasn't like a known thing. (laughs) And, uh, and they all talked about how my addiction is affecting them. So that really, wow, that was really hard to take in. But like my best friend, like that was like the ceiling of the deal. Cause she was just like, you're going to die. You're going to die if you don't stop. Mm-hmm. So I've personally never been in a situation like this where I've had a family member. It's kind of twofold. 
where I've gone through an intervention with someone, although I do have family members who are struggling with drug abuse and it's been a lifelong Mm -hmm. process of trying to get them to stop. They don't stop. I don't associate with them anymore because Mm -hmm. I can't be dragged down into that path. That being said, if so, as as being the person on the receiving end, I'm genuinely curious, is that the most powerful thing that somebody can do to help someone who has an addiction problem stop is to relate how it's affecting them? Like, I'm just mm. curious as like someone who would be ad- addiction, like what would get through to that, get through to you or someone who has an addiction being told that you're ruining kind of like your life or how it's affecting somebody else's. If, if someone's like, Hey, I know someone in my family who's doing this, like, how can I truly make the greatest impact for wanting them to get clean like what what does that kind of look like I know it's a loaded question (laughs) so so I just want to be clear Uh, you know I had to go to AA Alcoholics Anonymous and and do the work there there's a lot of work to do there to called recovery right and so I did that there's also a program called Al-Anon for the people on the receiving end so I just want to you know, say that there are some solutions and groups for help. But the specific question you're asking me is that what I know is that alcoholism, drug addiction is an internal problem. And so we can't, as as an addict, we can only go come to the healing and recovery if we want it. They say it's not for people who need it. It's for people who want it. And so I feel like for me at that point, I was open and at the bottom enough where I was willing to hear what was said and realize that, oh my God, if I keep doing this, like my life is never going to get better. I will die. And like, that's the end of it. Or I have a choice to possibly change the direction of my life. I feel like what you're asking me is that, you know, I've had to cut people off because it's so toxic and it's hard. And like when somebody is in an addiction, when they are in using, they are not who they are. You're now talking to what we call the disease. And so it's hard to understand possibly, but like you're talking to the diseased person and not the person. So the choices that they're making and the things that they are doing is in disease. So it's only to feed the disease. Um, The best time to talk to a person like that is when they're like clean to some degree. If they're not using or they just finished a run or something like that is the best way to get in. Because when they're in it, it's like that's the insanity. Now you're in their loop, right? So I don't know. Um, And then once again, I believe there's God. So it's like, and God can step in. You can, you can tell them how it's affecting you and how watching them is breaking your heart and that you would love to help them. But if they can't, if they're not willing to get the help, you can't have contact with them. Yeah. It's such a hard decision to make because you want to be there to help that person and to help them get clean. And I've come to the realize realization as well, like, only they can want to make that decision. And I've made it very clear that when this person wants to do better and wants that change, like I will be there. But yeah. in the meantime, and it's a hard decision because you feel mm-hmm. like a terrible person. Being yes, like, yes. I can't, I literally, I cannot engage with this person. I don't wish them any harm. I hope that they change their life for their better and I will be there for them if they want to. But as things stand today, I can no longer be part of your world because it's, you're dragging me down and Mm -hmm. it's just, it's so toxic. Like you almost feel like you're feeding into it for them. Like you're giving them excuses as to, you know, why they can't stop. Or if they ask for money, you're like, like you're probably feeding into their habit and they've run out of money and they need it. Right. So it's, it's always hard. And I, I feel like there's not really that right answer to do, but that's what's worked for me. And yeah so i I, yeah and i'm sorry i understand yeah and listen being being sober now you know i have a lot of i've known and had interactions with a lot of people that are in active addiction and it's really painful right and so i i hear the pain and the struggle i get it but like by feeding into it we call that enabling 
which means that you're giving them the ability to keep going. Like I always say, if somebody's at the bottom, it's the best place to be because then, you know, then they're willing to make a different choice. If they're still like riding the wave, there's just, they're just going to keep going. So like, I don't give money. I don't do any of that. I won't talk to them. People call, have called me drunk and I'm like, I have to go because you're just, you're not dealing, like I said to you, you're dealing with the disease and not the person. And so then the only person that gets insane is you. Right. <laughs> Cause that makes, yeah. It's, like, right. Cause they don't care enough and you're no. like, you're, you're stressing so much for them. And it's like, why, I don't want to say like, why bother? But if they don't care, like kind of like, why should you? And once again, it's not that they don't care. It's once again, if they're using, they're not of their right. own right mind. Yes. They're in they're Yeah. They're in the disease. So it's a really hard place to be. And I don't want to hardline the decision, but for me personally, I have to cut people out because I just, I can't, I offer a solution. I'll tell them what I'm willing to do, but like there's things that they have to do. And if they're not willing to do that, I can't be in their life because it's too toxic. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. So what were those next steps after you've had the intervention and you're like, oh my God, I like these people, like they're trying to help. They're telling me how I'm affecting their lives. Like right from that moment on, did you make a step towards recovery? What was that journey like for you? So my father said to me, because I was working for him at the time (laughs) and, and I had like a company car and blah, blah, blah. He was like, well, you can either get sober, go to rehab, and we will do everything we can to help you. And if not, you're completely cut off. You have nothing. And we have want nothing to do with you. So <laughs> I actually had to think about that for a minute, which is like insane to me now. But I was like, well, hmm. I'm like, okay, I guess I'll go. You know what I mean? I mean, but I had no idea what I was in for. It was the greatest gift, the greatest gift. Because I got shipped off to rehab. Literally, they drove me the minute I said, okay. Like right from there, they drove me. They had me set up. I went to rehab and it was like, that's where my new life began. It's uh, because I, you know, I went to a rehab that was really focused on the Alcoholics Anonymous program, like teaching you and helping you get into the pro, pro, like working the steps and doing all that. So like I went right into like full on recovery, um, an explanation of the disease and the explanation of the solution. So you know, I got in there and I was like, well, <laughs> I mean, why not try it? And, uh, you know, I'm the type of person that like, I'll do anything once. Right. So I'm like, on the sign, we have a thing called the promises, right? So the promises are all the things you get if you do the steps and do the work. So I was like, fuck, I'm an end result person. I want those results. I'm totally into it. All right, I'm in. And I'm like, I'm going to do everything I can because I want that, right? I want those promises. And I did. <laughs> I literally, like, I'm like, if that's the promises, I'll take that. And I literally threw myself in recovery. So the minute I got out of rehab, I had a sponsor set, a temporary sponsor set up. I was in like, at, um, what do they call it? The hospital offers you some kind of, um, I can't remember the name of it, but anyway, they offer you like help. Okay. And I was going to meetings and I was going to meetings. So like literally my father's like, you're off for a month. I want you to just immerse yourself in recovery. And that's what I did. So I was doing like the hospital stuff, like medical, they offer you that the support and the program. And I just threw myself in. I was going to three or four meetings a day, like literally. And like, I got a sponsor and I just started doing the steps. And I feel like that was the beginning of my new life. What is it actually like to be in rehab? Like the moment you get there, do they take your phone away from you so you can't contact people? Are you sleeping overnight? Are you in a room by yourself? Are you with others? Like what is like a day-to-day thing or maybe even like some unexpected things that people wouldn't necessarily think of when they go to rehab? Okay, so I I went to a nicer one. <laughs> Not a luxury one, but a ni- a nicer one in Maryland called Father Martin's Ashley. Father Martin is a a great soul in heaven now, but he has done some great, amazing good and has a lot of books and talks and stuff. But um, so I was there, I was in a room with three other girls, took the phone away, took everything away. They went through all my stuff. So like my parents had packed my bags for me. So like I didn't even pack my bags, you know what I mean? But they went through my toiletries and they clean out whatever could 
like mouthwash is out, like certain things are out because they're alcohol based. And then, you know, they have you on a schedule and a routine. So like if some people are actually detoxing from stronger drugs, you know, they have a medical center there. So they do give you like help with that. Um, I was drinking a lot of chamomile tea at night to kind of calm my nerves. And like, I'd be in like pretty much classes. It's felt like classes like all day long, every day. And like, there was like breaks and stuff, but like I was there for 23 days. Um, just immersing myself and like learning about the disease and, and getting into the solution. And then I have a question afterwards because I have known people to also have done rehab just like that. They leave and I feel like it's because they go back to the same environment that has made mm-hmm. them sick that they relapse and they go back mm-hmm. to the way they were. Mm-hmm. So when you leave, like, are you moving to a different place? Are you going to the same house that you had? A month ago, you were addicted to the alcohol and drugs. Like, what was after leaving rehab like for you? Okay. So that's a good question. So I was told by them, rehab, before I left, that it's like setting yourself up before you leave is the most important part. So like literally somebody in the rehab knew somebody where in Philadelphia where I lived and actually the area that I live. So they were like, they, I had already they had called that person for me to set up having them ready to take me to a meeting as soon as I got out. Maybe different than other people, but I pretty much had no friends left because I was scary and frightening. And like, and the only thing I had was this relationship, which they made me work on the whole time there, which is I had to get rid of him. I had to get rid of him. He wouldn't stop bringing the drugs. So I, he had to go. And so I had no more friends left, but like, that's why I was going to meetings three and four times a day. Cause I didn't know how to be alone. I didn't know how to be alone and how to do life without doing that. So, you know, thank God there's usually meetings all day long, every day. And I did get rid of my friends. I wasn't, you know, and I got rid of him, which was, I think, the biggest catalyst for me. But you have to get rid of certain things. And if people are still actively using, you can't hang out with them (laughs) because it's a trigger. It's a trigger. Yeah. No, it Mm -hmm. makes total sense. Like to surround yourself with the people that kind of got you there in the first place, you wouldn't want to be around them. So what is after that? Like you're on this journey of healing yourself. You've, you've gone to rehab. You're doing these meetings afterwards. Like what were those next few steps? Did you get into some sort of like exercise program? Cause you were like, well, you know, Usually I'm using at this time instead I'm bored. I have nothing else to do. Like maybe I'll go for a run or did you start reading personal development books? Like what was part of that healing journey like for you? Sure. So I already have a whole workout. I've always been a workout person. So I had all that going on. It was like, but then then we still have like 23 hours left in the day. Right. So it's like, (laughs) so I, for me personally, it was going to meetings and then doing fellowship, which is like going to the coffee shops or going to having lunch or dinner with everybody. Like, so I was surrounding myself with everybody in recovery as well as doing the steps, you know, it's like doing the internal work because you know any disease it could be anything is an is a spiritual malady we say which means there's an internal problem so you have to fix the internal problem just by stopping using isn't going to solve the problem because the problem's inside so like i knew that um so i was willing to like meet with my sponsor once a week and start going through the steps and doing all the work so i i literally was i went I went after it the way I went after drugs. Like I went after it full throttle. I threw myself at recovery and I was willing to do anything and everything to not use. Mm -hmm. Did you know, because you said it like it's this internal work that you have to do. Do you know what that trauma was that set you up to go down this path? Like right away, were you like, this is a wound that I need to heal because I know this is what triggered me to live this lifestyle? So that's, that's a very uh, good question. Um, I feel like, you know, for some of us, it's not one thing, it's many things. And so, you know, the way the steps are set up is to really help you find God (laughs) or find some sort of higher power 
not pick up, help others. Like it's a really, it's a very set program of a solution. And then, and deal with like your resentments. Like the resentments are like the number one, we say the number one offender, like to find your fears and angers and, you know, misconducts so that you can start to find the problem. But like, you know, it's like the work I do today is a deeper level of like program work because- I found that what you're asking me right now, I didn't get to all of that just by doing the steps for nine and a half years. I'm sorry, because I kept doing them over and over and over again to solve the problem. But to stop using, to like get to the stuff that was leading me there, to find my resentments that would build me up for the reason why I would go back and use like, fuck you, this, that, whatever, you know, like it was like, I dealt with my part to find my part because all of us that come in, I believe we are in a lot of victimhood and blaming. And so recovery helped me to own my part and see my part in things because when we're blaming others, then that means we've given our power away. But when we can see our part, which is how we can own our power and change our life. I myself have it like when it came to, I, I didn't have quite um, a journey like that, but I had a, I went through like a sexual abuse when I was very young by a family member. And I'm sorry. It, it's been a, it's been a process, but it's something that I, it was so when I came to the realization of like, not being a victim anymore from that mm -hmm. it was a very quick recovery and it happened mm -hmm. very fast but there's also like for me part of it was kind of like I don't know how to say this but like it was almost like I kind of enjoyed the sympathy that people gave me for being a victim mm -hmm. and I had to really let that go be like I I either remain a victim for the rest of my life and yeah I get sympathy from people but I'm always this victim yeah or I move forward and I don't remain a vi victim anymore. I take back my own power, like you said. And it was yes. like, when I had that shift, it was like, it sounds so woo-woo like, but I literally felt like I was in the matrix. Like this whole like mm -hmm. shift happened for me. And it was literally like, I felt like the colors got brighter and it was like, oh, like I'm just, I'm choosing not to be that person anymore. Yes, I, I that's exactly right. That's exactly right. And so what I can say to you is I'm going to just, segue a little bit into the work I do today. Right. So, but I just want to say, I am not an advocate for any program. I am not the poster child. I just, this is my experience. I, and I'm, if I, if I was not sober and I did not go to AA, I would not be alive. I want to be clear about that. And like that program helped me change, get a life <laughs> and change my life. And has led me into what I have now. But what I found after doing all this work, as I said, for nine and a half years, as well as therapy and self-help books and blah, 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 yoga psychics and uh, meditation, um, at 40, I was still having problems. <laughs> and so, you know, I say like two days before my 40th birthday, I broke up with another, you know, unhealthy, abusive relationship. And I was like, what the fuck is going on? I was in like this abusive, unhealthy job. And my friendships were awful. And I was just like, wow, all this, like all this work and how am I still here? Which led me to the message was I had to go deeper. Like there was something deeper going on. And as you, as you, as you know, anything about my recovery story, like I'm willing to do anything and I will go after it. Like I'm house on fire until I find the solution and get, get the end results. So you know, what I found, and this is where I'm looping back to what you were saying, is that all of that work helped me, but the issue was actually much deeper. And the much deeper wasn't like I had to go back and like, like therapy stuff. It was like, there were certain programmings, core programming from my childhood that were still running the ship that I was living my life by. And like, I couldn't get to it from any of the other work I had done because it was so specific and individualized that like these two years I spent like trying to find the solution led me to the solution because I was like, oh my God. And what you're saying is that part of what I found was one, 
I had to find the exact thinking and the exact behaviors that I was doing, but based on this childhood wounding trauma, it could be something somebody said, it could be something somebody did, or it could have been an experience I had from my childhood. Cause I go back to mom and dad and any other qualifying person that's caused you pain to find exactly the thinking and behaviors we create around it, because that's the stuff we're still doing today. That's keeping us stuck in the loop. And all of the loop is like this lack of self-love victimization, blaming, you know, all of that, which keeps us in that story. So I'm coming back to what you just said, which keeps us in this one story over here, right? We just keep riding the loop, loop and loop. But if we can change the story, Now we're on a whole different, as we call timeline or a whole different path. We've now created a new story, right? So it is kind of like the matrix of what you're saying, because when we change our thinking and change our behaviors and we take different actions, we are fundamentally changing the framework of who we are inside, which takes us to a completely different realm of life. I would love to know, I like, as you're talking, I'm like, that is exactly what I did. And just for Mm -hmm. context, like for somebody to be like, what does that mean? For me, it was, it was literally during my yoga teacher training that this happened. I came home, I was talking to my parents in our backyard about it. And we, it was like a theme of gratitude that we had been going through. And literally I'm just standing there talking about, I don't even know what. Mm -hmm. And it's like in my head, I immediately went, Oh my God, I'm so grateful for the fact that I never got a disease. I never got pregnant. Nobody else in my life had, like my cousins, had been affected by this person. Mm -hmm. There's a lot to be grateful for here, even though it was a very traumatic thing. And it was just that, that story, that narrative changed. It was like, you actually have some things to be grateful for. And I feel mm-hmm. like that's a hard concept for people to grasp if they've been through something really tragic. Mm-hmm. But for me, that was the storyline that changed. And like my life has never been the same since then. It's only gotten better and like changed the tra- the trajectory of it. Yes, exactly. So for my clients, that wouldn't have worked. <laughs> that wouldn't have been enough. Or for me, that wouldn't have been enough. Like I just said, you know, but the way I do what I do is one is I have, I have to show you like, and my process goes layer by layer because there's only so much that somebody can handle at a time because I keep helping you find the truth. Like I keep extracting the truth. The truth is your experience. It's your experience exactly the way you experienced it. So it's like, I am totally honoring you as a person and your experience, but then we have to find like, what's causing you the problems and like how, and then I can find you the solutions. As soon as I find the problem, I know exactly what the solutions are. And then we just start going there. Um, So it's a, it's, it's a reprogramming, changing your thinking, changing your behaviors, but also I have what I call the letter of healing. I would actually love to talk if you could talk about your specific method and what. Oh, okay. Uh, yeah, yeah, like that would be great if you could talk about what it is you do with your clients and what it entails. Okay. So, yeah. So, you know, most people come to me when they feel stuck. Yeah. Um, usually at the bottom. <laughs> right. And they're, and they're just like, something's not working. I I don't know what it is. I keep ending up in the same place. So like that patterning, you know, the same story, recycling, feeling stuck. And so what I do, that's my gift. This is what I know how to do. I know how to get you unstuck. I know how to extract this stuff because I have a method. (laughs) And so, (laughs) you know, I start off with a limiting belief or fear because that's usually the beginning of of the creation. Like that's, that's at the very top of the creation in order for me to get, go further and further and further in for you to be able to start to see the way it plays itself out. So like I can show you based on that, what you're doing, exactly what you're doing and thinking so that we can begin to start to create the change. I want to be clear that what my experience is that, and what I do is that it's not one thing that's going to fix you. There's not just one thing. I have a concoction of many things when done together. When you do them all together, there's magic. 
but you have to do them all together. So it's like creating a routine that you have to do every day. So you've homework because, you know, this negative thinking, these negative behaviors, these sabotaging behaviors, you know, the people pleasing, the obsessive, you know, unhealthy behaviors, all of this is a program. And like these, these negative, like you were talking about ancestral or familial, whatever it is, all this stuff. If you keep saying something to yourself over and over that belief, it becomes a way of being now to program. So it's like, I call that negative affirmations. So most people have spent lifetimes in negative affirmations. So I'm just going to now reprogram you with positive affirmations. So we're just going to take, but it's not just like the regular stuff. Like I go in and I'm actually dissecting your thinking. I'm dissecting your behaviors. And then my affirmations tell you exactly what to think and do instead. So I take you exactly out of your programming and plant problem into a whole new solution, a whole new path. Um, so I go layer by layer. We go back to mom and dad. Like I said, siblings, <clears throat> step family, whatever. Any other person that has caused you wounding trauma pain, but I don't go back to like do therapy with it. I go back to, I have very specific things I'm looking for. I'm extracting them from you and then I'm getting you into the solution. So once again, as I told you, I, if you tell me a traumatic event from your mom, I can dissect it and show you exactly what you are thinking and doing today in the now that came from there. That's causing you to repeat and relive these experiences over and over again, because it's interesting you know, the negative stuff and the patterning is that even if it's so old, we keep going back to the same end result, the same feeling of that pain. Like you said, that same victimhood. So we can get the sympathy. So we can, you know, still feel alone and unheard or unseen or like not good enough or whatever it is. We are programmed to do that somehow. So I take you back and do that. The last person we do is yourself because after we remove all the beliefs and stories you've gotten from others, we now have to find what you're still telling yourself. Oh, and by the way, after we end each person, we do a letter of healing. I really realize it's actually the letter of acceptance. So I feel like what you're saying is, you know, gratitude or forgiveness. I don't, I'm not really big on the forgiveness thing. Cause there were a lot of things done that was very hard for me to forgive, but I could accept. And if I could accept, eventually I can find, I can get to the healing. Um, so for me, it's more about the acceptance. That um, actually, that's probably yeah. a better word that I should have used than yeah. forgiveness because that's exactly what it is. It was accepting right. what had happened, not right. forgiving the person. Yes. Okay. Yes. So, cause you know, in AA, there's a lot of about forgiveness, but for me, I found that that was really hard for me. Because things that were done over and over and over again, it's really, I was like, I can't, like, fuck them. But anyway, even though I could find my part. So for me, it was more about accepting that. And really the truth of it is, is that like, they couldn't have done it any differently because they're not well. There's a lot of that. There's a lot of like, they're not well. And I, I'm going to show you how. So that you can see that what you wanted and needed, you weren't going to get from them. Um, which, which allows you to take your power back because everything about what I teach is about learning how to be authentic and honest, own your power, find who you truly are and like change the stories so that you can create a different life. Um, and then once we finish you, then we manifest your dreams. Um, <laughs> but my manifesting process is different than the hundreds of thousands of manifesting teachers out there <laughs> because I still stay authentic to my, my, method, which is that I still, we still need to find the fears that are coming up. We still need to find the programs and the stories and the patterns that are still coming up. So it's like, as you expand, then you have to clear because, you know, I believe that if you are in a state of woundedness, you will continue to bring in the people and situations to reaffirm that wound and make it true and keep taking you back to the core pain. So it's not about the manifesting. It's about healing or rectifying that core pain, the core programming so that you can change your entire life forever. Do you have an example of perhaps a negative thought pattern or story that somebody had and maybe what that positive rewire was like for them that you gave them? 
Let's see. <laughs> like, here's a list of them. <laughs> oh, I'm just trying to think of what might be the most uh, general. You know, I, I can say that, you know, I, I do work with a lot of men also. And, you know, I, I'll give you two examples. One from a man and one from a woman. Okay. Because a lot of my men have the same thing. But like, you know, their mothers really had issues with men. So like, you know, <laughs> telling the your, you know, your son that, you know, you're, you're not smart enough. You're not talented enough. Like, that's not going to happen for you. Why aren't you like these other people? Blah, blah, blah. You're never going to be like them. Like, blah. So their interpretation is that exactly like three of them have that exact interpretation. Like I'm not good enough. Everyone else is better than me. I'm never going to get what I want. And so they proceed off into life, creating scenarios to make that true. So it's like, they'll try their damnedest to do all these things, but in the end, someone else will get the better thing than them. In the end, they won't get the best, the highest amount of money or whatever. So then they don't feel good enough. You know what I mean? So it's like, oh, sorry. That's my dogs. It plays. So it, it plays itself out that way. Right. And so for my women, you know, and I just want to be clear, the, the men I work with have a lot of anger towards women. The women I work with had to have a lot of anger towards men. <laughs> so there's a lot of like, you know, stuff like that. So, and with a lot of my women, they definitely feel like that they can't be themselves. So it's not okay to be who I am. I'm too much, you know, so they do a lot of the people pleasing. Um, I'm not heard and seen. I'm not good enough also, but in a different way context. And so what happens is they bring in people in situations where they end up people pleasing. They're not being the authentic selves and that, you know, they're not heard and seen and they're just doing for others. And what happens is that all those things come true, right? I'm not good enough. My needs don't get met. I'm not heard and seen and I can't be authentic. So then they get caught in that vicious cycle of doing that over and over again. So it's like, it's a real breakdown and dissecting of like each and everything, all the thoughts and all the behaviors beginning with like, and this is my motto big time, which is that you have to be authentic. Like you have to be authentic and honest and be who you are because your authenticity is your magnet and your protection, right? I love yeah. that so much. Right? So it's like, it's really hard. They're like, no, I am not going to like me. I said, but if they don't like you, that's God. Mm -hmm. That is God saying, this is not for you. These are not Instead of people. trying to, for yeah, right. Yeah. Instead of trying to. Four square peg round hole. It could be with jobs. It's relationships. It's with friendships. It's across the board, right? Yeah. It I, I, you know what? It's funny is as you're saying this, I feel like people hate to hear this. And I'm sure you said before, like people don't like to hear what you have to say because <laughs> it's such a slap in the face to them. But I truly believe like there's so many people that I know that they have these self sabotaging tendencies or they feel, feel a certain way. And then they unintentionally manifest that into their life and it yeah. just reaffirms, oh, this is like, no, this is the way things are. Look at the situation. I'm back here again. And it's like, you do realize that you are inviting all of this into your own life by the way that you are thinking. Yes. So, and, and I'm getting very excited about that. That's exactly right. That's exactly everything I do. Right. So it's like, you know, manifesting law of attraction, the secret are all the same thing. It's all basically whatever you focus on the most is what you're bringing in, right? So it could be your thoughts, feelings, or beliefs, whatever it is, whatever is the strongest point is what you're drawing back to you. So it doesn't matter how grateful you are, how positive you are, how Zen you are. If you have a core wound belief that you are not good enough, I'll just use that because that's a big one for everyone I work with core belief that you are not good enough and like you're not seen and heard and it's not okay to be you. We'll just glob it all together. <laughs> so it doesn't matter all that other stuff you do. If that's your core belief, you will continue to attract to you people and situations which keep making you feel in the end that you're not good enough. You can't be authentic. You're not heard and seen and blah, 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 blah. Until you fix the core. That's what I do. 
that core programming, that core problem. Because as I said to you, I've done so much work in my entire life and I didn't know like that, the, the, the exact core pieces of those things are what's going to change everything. And our thinking is the creator. And if we don't change that, we're going to keep creating the same thing, right? We are, we are so powerful. We don't even know how powerful we are. If we just, you know, I love that saying, it's like, what is it? It's something to the effect of like, how great you are. You know what I mean? Like none of us want to focus. None of us think of like, oh, why don't I think about all the good things about myself? It's Mm -hmm. like, you know, if we just did that and like started thinking more positively and more lovingly towards ourselves, Mm -hmm. we send that out. Like that's the shifting change. Love is the magic. Love is the magical potion. Yeah. I know. I know exactly what you're saying. And I I don't know what it is. If it's like, people don't want to seem almost like, well, I don't want to seem cocky because things are going so great in my life. And I don't want to like talk about it. It's like, yes, talk about it. Attract more things into your life. People love to be around other people who are high vibing all the time, not cocky as much as more confident in things. But like, if you know someone who is like confident and they're like, no, like these great things are happening. And I think this way and I do this and this is the internal work that I do that's a really attractive quality and I mean if most people I would hope would be like that's the person that I'm attracted to not the person who's in the corner sulking and whining about how terrible their life is and like let's talk about all the crappy things that are going on in the world like that's not the person I'm going to so I I, I like to touch on that yeah sure so when I was down in the dumps or not as you know dealing with all this core stuff, I was definitely more attracted to the other person. I get it. I do get that. (laughs) (laughs) You know, I would see men that, you know, now I know that I understand as like traumatized, like sick and unwell. But I thought that was like passionate and like deep, you know, because they want to talk about all their problems. But now I realize, oh, keep talking about the problems is staying in them and creating more. Absolutely. That's not attractive to me anymore, but I have to tell you when I was there, I was resonating very strongly and attracted to that. No, for sure. I get that. Okay. But I am no longer, that is no longer appealing. When that happens, I'm like, woo, I'm going to run the other way. Bye. (laughs) Sorry about that. Right. What are some other things that you do in your life that you find really help keep you moving forward to being your best self? Are you constantly working on core negative beliefs or limiting beliefs? Are you, are you yourself getting coached? Like what are some things that you do that you find help to keep moving you forward on this path of becoming your best self? Okay. Great. So I'm working on myself all the time, (laughs) right? Because our mind never stops. Because our mind never stops and life doesn't stop. So like I have to keep up with life and my mind, uh, my thinking, so to speak. Right. So, uh, and, um, so I do everything I have my clients do actually, <laughs> cause it's worked for me. It's gotten me to where I am. And so, you know, I want to just keep going. Some of that actually they can go to my website. I guess we'll say it at the end. And I have a download of five habits, but those are the five things five of the 10 that my clients have to do every day. So I do those five things every day. Um, I start off my day, like before I even get out of bed, like I have a little mantra, I say. Then I get up and I like come in my office, I get on the computer and I start meditating. Like I do got some guided meditations, you know, journaling. I'll do some breath breathing stuff to just really clear my mind and then listen to positive stuff. So, and say positive affirmations, right? So this is just like before I'm even out the gate, right? And then I exercise every day, pretty much. I do a workout and I run with the dogs twice a day because I have two dogs. Um, (laughs) I eat healthy. I think that that's important for the most part. You know, I I take stuff with nutrients and vitamins and blah, blah, blah. And uh And I feel like because I work with people every day, like I'm always in it because, you know, we're always a reflection of each other. So a lot of times and why I love teaching so much as opposed to coaching, I think I'm teaching more so and helping 
is because I get to keep saying it over and over. So whatever I'm saying to you, I'm saying back to myself. So I'm reminding myself. So I'm reaffirming it to myself. So I'm taking myself further more into the process of like the good stuff, right? So it's like, that's why I like to work so much because I love helping people and I love keeping myself in the same, you know, in this positive place, in this healthy place. Because I just want to be clear is that I'm not happy and positive 100% of the time. Because that's not realistic, right? We have to go down to come back up. And when I go down, it's because there's something that needs to shift, change, heal in me. And so those are actually my least favorite times, but I know that they're my best times (laughs) because I'm so used to feeling good, you know, 95% of the time now, but you know, I have to still keep growing and there's still more, there's always more things to let go of. There's always more things that need to shift and change. And especially when you start really changing your life and taking yourself to another level you've never been, there's going to be new things that come up because you've never been here. Mm -hmm. So I'm always open to growing, just sometimes begrudgingly. (laughs) Because I don't necessarily want to go through the pain again. I'm like, oh, no. Um, but you know, I just know, at least for me, that all my struggles and pains, when I get through them, make me a better teacher, a better guide, and I can help others better because I have been there and I gotten through it. And that's pretty much the premise of my entire method and process anyways. I've been through so much shit, shit, shitty shit that I'm sorry for the cursing. You can bleep that out. Um, (laughs) but because I've been through so much of it. And so many different levels of pain that I can help such a vast majority of people Yeah, because I, I, I've gotten to the other side. Yeah. I resonate with everything that you're saying so much. And I feel like that's something I really want people to like ingrain in their brain is like, this is constantly a journey. It's not like, oh, I got it. Things are good. It's always going to be like this. It's like, no, no, no. Like we keep growing. We keep evolving. We keep moving forward. And it's, it's. I, it's always like, I feel like things go really well and then something will come up and something somebody says or something mm-hmm. happens to you and it triggers you and you're like, oh, mm-hmm. there's room for improvement here. Like, why did this yes, trigger yes, me yes. so much? Okay, got to unpack this and dive into this a little bit more. So I feel like I could keep talking to you <laughs> so much longer about all this stuff because I just, everything you're saying is like, it resonates with me on such a soul level. And I really like- it's it's things that I'm constantly talking to my audience and community about. It's like, these are all the things that we do to become a better version of ourselves. And it's a it's daily work. And some days you revert mm-hmm. back and you're like, well, today wasn't the day. And it's like, that's okay. Tomorrow's another day. We start again and we keep putting one foot in front of the other. Absolutely. And listen, you know, I just want to say like what's happening in the world right now Things are really intense. They're just intense and they're more intense internally right now because there's a lot of shifting. I'm not going to get all woo and too weird on you, but it is happening. (laughs) And so if like, if you're in pain right now, I'm speaking to everybody, like you're not alone. Like most people right now are having a lot of internal pain and it's because the world is changing. We are changing and we are being given an opportunity to walk through this stuff that we're talking about right now to uh to level up to evolve our soul and move more into our higher purpose our higher calling and our higher dreams right and so it's like you know some days we just you know we may need a time out we may need to like stay in our pajamas like eat ice cream and watch a good show (laughs) and do nothing and that's okay that's still moving forward because if we don't take care of ourselves and listen to our body then we're, then we're negating ourselves and we're, we're not dealing with the real problem because we are the solution. We are the solution. Like loving ourselves and taking care of ourselves is the beginning and the end of everything. I feel like part two of this conversation could be like the ascension of the world. Yeah. Well, there you go. (laughs) For another hour. Jamie, this has been such an incredible conversation. If people want to check you out online, maybe they want to download that those steps that you have where can everybody go and find you? Okay, great. Thank you. And by the way, you're the best. This is so fun. <laughs> Thank you. I've enjoyed this so much. I, uh, I love talking to a fellow, you know. Yeah, me too. Soul I get person. It. Okay. I get it. So um, <laughs> thank you. Um, okay. So uh, 
I, my name, I just want to be clear. My website is jamiebhaas.com, but I spell my name J-A-I-M-E-B-H-A-A-S. So jamiebhaas.com, and you can go there and get the free download. Um, on Instagram, I'm still jamiebhaas. On Facebook, I'm still Jamie B. Haas. And on YouTube, I'm still Jamie B. Haas. So you can find me in all places. I have great recordings and things that can be of great service to you. My job on this earth is to be of service and help. So uh, check me out. And uh, if you want to reach out, please do. Perfect. I will make sure everything is linked in the show notes. Thank Thank you so much for this conversation. Thank you so much for having me. It was a pleasure. If you love this podcast episode, spread the love by sharing this with your friends and family, share it out on social media, and don't forget to give it a five-star rating and review. From the bottom of my heart, I am so grateful that you are here. Until next time.